All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. William Shakespeare. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hole. And I'm Lee Esses. In our last episode, we talked about the mass consumption of story through theater, through oral presentation. This episode is when we get into the printing press and the use of written story as mass communication. Theater was still a huge part, which is why we are using Shakespeare as our trendsetter in this era of storytelling. But it was all written down so that we still have it today. If you look at the Dark Ages, it's not an era of a lack of stories by any means. We just now don't know what they are because nobody wrote them down. Come the Renaissance, which is a lot of Shakespearean era, there was a revival of especially the Greco-Roman flavors within Europe in order to bring a lot of these stories back to life. So in the mid-1400s, we had the creation of the printing press where suddenly distributing writing was a lot easier. So reading became more common among the normal people. And then you had the Protestant Reformation where they really wanted to read on their own and be separated from that religious education that we talked about in our last episode. There was also with this Protestant Reformation, a huge push for literacy among the common man. It's not just about specific people and you are the scribe, so you are able to write. I will just tell you what to say and what to put down. A lot of what we have written down from that era is still theatrical, but we're starting to see a little bit more. We start to see Don Quixote was just after Shakespeare. You have a lot of people who took a lot of the Shakespearean storytelling types and began to embellish on it, began to make it their own. So 100, 200 years after Shakespeare, you have normal people who are using Shakespeare's writings as an influence in their own. So we were able to have people like Charles Dickens, Herman Melville, and William Faulkner. We're reading these things written by normal people. Normal people could suddenly be authors and be writers. And that's why during this time, we suddenly get the shift that stories are for entertainment, not just education. We also have the advent of genres. We have the comedy versus the tragedy. We have the fantastical versus the everyday. We're aware that there is a huge debate of if Shakespeare actually existed at all or if he was a conglomeration of a bunch of different people because there are a lot of different styles that were covered in Shakespearean stories. He was real. He just didn't write every single word in the plays that we know today. That's my theory. (laughs) Looking back and romanticizing the past happened a lot with Shakespeare. There's a lot of history in his collection. I mean, just look at all of his king stories. Julius Caesar is one of the most popular of his works out there. Don Quixote, another one. It's a bit of a satire 
on the knight's errand and basically the plot revolves around a guy who was once a superhero who's now old and sort of deranged and decides he wants to be a superhero again. Because we have the printing press, because people are starting to be able to read, you suddenly have the beginning of wide distribution of large books and stories. And with all of these new writers that can actually write now, they're starting to get niche audiences where you may be writing a story for just a couple hundred people instead of a story for everyone. And because of that, stories don't have to be epics anymore. We went from Beowulf with this massive saving the world from these evil monsters and freeing this culture from this tyranny to Much Ado About Nothing, which completely lives up to its name. And when everyone gets up in a kerfuffle, about nothing at all. And this is the time where genres start to blossom. We start to get the introduction of the fantasy genres, of the history, historical romance genres. These are starting to split off and splinter, and people are starting to find stories that they like. They prefer this kind of story. They prefer the Shakespearean comedies over the Shakespearean tragedies. We also start to see a little bit of sequels happening here. It's not as popular as it is now, but Don Quixote got a sequel. A lot of Shakespeare plays are sequels or spinoffs of each other. Wasn't Don Quixote's sequel technically written by somebody who got so annoyed by how it was written? Or was it the, the original author wrote a sequel because somebody's fan fiction was so bad he needed to fix it? Yeah. There was a huge following for Don Quixote, and that following started writing their own fan fiction because copyright wasn't really a thing. Duplication was a lot more difficult because you'd have to read it and then handwrite it, and some of that happened as late as the 1800s. But as I recall, Cervantes basically said, um, that's not canon. Here, let me show you what actually happened. And the second one is not nearly as good as the first one. But it was still fun and marketed off of the first one. If you like the first one, here's the sequel, which Marvel has taken to the extreme, but has become a fantastic tool for marketing within storytelling. So suddenly we have mass consumption of books. We have genres. We have storytelling. So... There are, of course, still going to be common themes, common tropes that pop up within this era. So we have a lot of these, especially Shakespeare, a praising authorities, but also kind of making fun of them. In the same vein, a lot of the authorities that we start to see show up are starting to play a similar role in the deus ex machina as the gods. So we have the king pop up at the very end and go, oh, you're pardoned for your crimes. Ta-da, we all lived happily ever after. This idea also of praising them but making fun of them is kind of the advent of satire and the creation of satire as a storytelling device. There wasn't a lot of that before because the people doing the writing and the educating were usually in those authority positions and they didn't want to write satire about themselves. The word satire comes from the satyr, which is Greco-Roman, 
But in storytelling, stories and music and a lot of things that we now see as entertainment were very revered, very holy. You don't make jokes about that until Dogberry enters the scene and you've just got fart jokes. And that's why we have a little bit of everything for everyone in this. Shakespeare wrote stories for entertaining Queen Elizabeth and the peasants off the street. I do not advise you try this in your own writing. It is very difficult to have that broad of a target audience and be successful in your story. There was also a bit of an advent of dealing with deeper themes, but not necessarily moral themes. You have Hamlet giving his famous to be or not to be. He's contemplating suicide, which is not something a hero should do until this point. Your David character never faltered in his faith, and that's what made him the hero. Now you're wondering, is he the hero because he's having this quandary? And of course, he moves on from it, and everyone lives happily ever after, sometimes. So we're not just seeing character arcs, but character flaws, and a whole lot more metaphor in the use of storytelling. This is also an era that started to vilify magic. Up to this point, magic came from the gods, you enchanted this sword, and then good things happened with magic. Shakespeare started to vilify a lot of magic. You have the three witches with their cauldron and separating the good from the magical. A lot of times in his storytelling, the magic just created mischief. You watch or read A Midsummer Night's Dream, magic was to nobody's advantage. So we get to still read, still consume these old stories. There's a reason why English classes have you read Shakespeare. It's because there's still so much that we can learn and apply in our own writing. One of the big things that this teaches us is that it's okay to personify big ideas. If you have a character contemplating something, we can relate to that character. They don't necessarily have to be heroic to be the hero. And this was also the introduction of story for story's sake. Having fun while writing and reading and consuming these storytellings. You don't need a moral to every story. You can simply write much ado about nothing. Every story needs a good pun, and we have Shakespeare to thank for that. We also have Shakespeare to thank for a lot of crass jokes. Another big thing we can learn from this era is that it's okay to make fun of people. Embrace the satire. Embrace the ability to point and laugh in your fiction because it makes it fun. This is where we really get the advent of storytelling as art, as creative and creation and the ability to just have fun while you're doing. This is the start of you writing selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. <laughs>